We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 129. Our guest today is the president of the National Horse Show, as well as one of the founders of Brandywine Horse Shows. She is absolutely lovely, has so much experience in the industry, and she's also an owner for Louise Serio, and she has taken such a large role in some of the country's biggest and most prestigious horse shows. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Jennifer Berger. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you have quite the busy schedule, so thanks for taking the time to come on the podcast. Well, it's my pleasure and my honor. Amazing. Well, I would love to hear about everything with the National Horse Show, but first, I how did you first get into the horse world? Well, I've been in the horse world for 55 years. At the age of seven, I went to sleepover camp and they had riding outside of my hometown, Buffalo, New York. And I got on a horse for the first time and just absolutely fell in love with it. And that's all I wanted to do moving forward. And my grandfather, of course, I wanted a horse right away after two weeks at camp and told my family. And my grandfather said, well, if you learn about horses and take lessons from now to when you're 13, on your 13th birthday, I'll buy you a horse. Oh, wow. And so I did. I got books and took lessons with Mervyn and Bessie Alexander at the Saddle and Bridal Club in Buffalo. And and stuck the course. And on my 13th birthday, he honored his promise and I got my first horse. Wow. Oh, that's so fun. At that point, like as you were learning and growing within the sport and then you had your first horse, what did that look like for you as far as riding and like, had you started competing? Were you showing? What what, what did it look like for you? At the time with Mervyn and Bessie, where I was riding the Saddle and Bridal Club, which was built in the 1920s as the third largest indoor polo facility, had obviously a beautiful indoor ring and they held monthly shows 12 months a year, pretty much. So I was allowed, while I was learning and doing like novice and limit and children's hunters, Mm -hmm. I was allowed to go in the monthly shows. I didn't travel till I was probably, well, by the time I was 15, I was going on the road. Bradford Hunt Club and Rolling Rock and Syracuse PHA and, you know, all those, all those kinds of shows. And it was on fast track till I went to college. I went to Hollins, a riding school, and rode green horses for them, but elected not to go on the team. It was uh, a huge time commitment. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. not, and I have to work at being a B student. And so I was afraid of the time commitment. So I rode on the side for the school. And then after graduation, got back into it with my daughter, with Susie Shelkoff and Jen Alfano. Mm. And did that for years. And then I moved my horses to Pennsylvania, to Louise Serio, and always had lots of horses with her and competed out of that barn at Derby Down and started coming to Wellington. And that's been at that way, that way ever since. Do you remember kind of like what you were thinking or what your first experience in Wellington was like? Because I feel like for a lot of people, it's, you know, this special Disneyland place for equestrians. Do you remember what it was like for you? Was it an adjustment? 
I remember it vividly like it was yesterday. <laughs> yep. I had gone, traveled uh, back and forth from Ocala for long weekends to watch okay, nice. compete. And when I first came to Wellington, I walked in and was like by the bridge on the top deck looking down and Louise was on one of my horses getting ready to go into the Rost. And I was so nervous and so intimidated. I wouldn't come down to watch the horse go. I just sit up there. She's waving me down and saying, come on down. And I'm waving back like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm good right here. I'm good right there. And I stood at the top of the steps and I just looked around going, oh my gosh, I've never seen anything like this. I was totally overwhelmed, but excited at the same time. Wow. That's so cool. How did you come in contact uh, with Louise? Like how did that partnership kind of start? I had always, at that point I was, like I said, I was an owner and and my horses were, you know, going all over. So I crossed paths with Louise a lot and I really admire her. I've never seen her. I've never heard a story, a negative story. I've never heard her have a harsh word off her lips. Mm-hmm. I love the way she trains and works with people. And it was just time for a change. And I was ready to get out of Buffalo and, and do a lot of traveling with the horses. So I, I relocated them to Kennett Square. And we've had a great relationship. We bought a farm together for years. We had a farm in Wellington and founded the Brandywine Horse Shows together. And those are still going strong. And, and we have a good business partnership and a good friendship. Amazing. Yeah. Speaking of, tell me a little bit about Brandywine because I have loved going there. And and when Junior Hunter Finals was there, it's such a beautiful place. And I, how, how did that kind of come to be with putting that together and, and, you know, like that process of where it is today as, as a top hunter jumper venue? Well, the Devon Showgrounds are such a slice of history for our wonderful industry. Totally. And an amazing stage to host a horse show at. And of course, it's very close and convenient to Derby Down, to Louisa's facility. Mm -hmm. So she and I were trail riding from our farm in Wellington one day. She was on one of my horses and I was on another. And she looked at me and she goes, let's start a horse show. (laughs) And I looked over at her and I'm like, okay, sounds fun. (laughs) And she's like, how hard can it be? And I'm like, probably not that hard. And (laughs) (laughs) we only knew that we don't regret a minute of it, but it was fun. It's been, it's been a lot of hard work, Mm -hmm. um, huge commitment, but I've learned so much and I absolutely love it. It's our pride and joy. And it's such a great show to host. Again, the Devon Showgrounds, I think, are just so charming, sets the tone, and everybody who comes on the property, it just puts them in a certain state of mind. They're just, they're so friendly and Mm -hmm. helpful and appreciative of of whatever we do. And we really try hard to make it exhibitor friendly and give people what they want and what they're looking for in a show experience as best we can. This will be our, we we had to cancel last year, unfortunately, due to But we're planning on going um, this year under whatever guidelines we have to honor and USCF guidelines to follow. But we're really looking forward to it and hoping for the best to uh, have another 
be able to have another horse show during these crazy times. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What were the logistics like coming from? I had you had a lot of like management experience before. Like, what was that kind of learning curve for you going um, from being an owner to running something like Brandywine? Well, anything I do with Louise Serio is very insulated because she's the professional that she is. So that's always made my role really easy as like a complimentary role because I've got so much industry insulation partnering with her. When I was in Buffalo, I helped Susie Chalkoff run the Buffalo Horse Shows. I've sat on a, I have a lot of board experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think, you know, being an owner for this many years and and going to all the horse shows, the wonderful horse shows in our country and meeting the people and just seeing what works and doesn't work. And I've got business experience in my background enough that 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 kind of helped. And like I said, a wonderful partnership. I would never have done it without Louise. Yeah, absolutely. What did what did your life look like at the points leading up to your involvement with the National Horse Show? Hmm. Well, I have been married for 32 years to a non-horse person, (laughs) and I have two children who are 30 and 31. So I went 27 years without horses in my life because I couldn't afford it. And I ran an ad agency in the 80s and was always in marketing and advertising. And then when my daughter was eight, she wanted to start riding. So... um, I was watching her in a lesson after a couple of years and Susie was like, you know, Jennifer, you're, you're posting on the chair. Why don't you just get on a horse? Again? <laughs> and so I said, well, I'll get on a horse if nobody will watch me for 30 days. And she's yeah. like, all right, we'll do that. But you got to come at a certain time. So she honored that. And I rode one of Ian Miller's old horses that had been donated, who we called Ian. He was my, my uh, guardian angel for 30 days to see if I could even move it, you know, just fall, get back into the line sure. riding, which uh, really getting physically fit was, was the biggest challenge. And that started it again. And, you know, the love never goes away. If you right. have a first love in your bloodstream, if you're wired that way, it doesn't go anywhere. It mm-hmm. stays in your heart forever. And all the different positions I've had in the horse industry and exposed myself to, I just love one as much as the last one. I loved riding. I loved being an owner. I love horse show involvement, you know, the, the boards I work with and the managers and working with people like Louise and Jeff Teal and the Morrissey's and, and Paul Jewell. I mean, it's the best of the industry and I'm really, it's fun. It's fun. It keeps my mind active and learning and I'm really enjoying it. And it's a good way to still be involved with the horses in a different kind of facet. I wanted to thank our sponsor today, O3 Animal Health. If you haven't heard about them before, their signature product is Equine Omega Complete. It's a specifically formulated blend that does so much more than simply add weight if needed or produce a shiny hair coat for your horse. These products support healthy cell function in the horse. They cleanse the cell membrane. Every cell in a horse's body is surrounded by fat. Their products provide the healthiest fat possible so that nutrients and waste can get in and out of the cells. O3 Animal Health is used by some of the top horse breeders, trainers, horse owners, vets, and it supplies a complete balance of beneficial fatty acids to provide the perfect fat for proper cell function. If you want to learn more, I had Kathleen Downs, who is a representative over at O3 Animal Health, on the podcast. She was episode 122, if you want to go check it out, or you can visit their website at o3animalhealth.com. 
And if you want to try out any products, use the code podcast for $10 off any product. Thank you so much, O3 Animal Health. All right, let's get back to the episode. What would you say are some qualities that make the National Horse Show one of your favorite places? The National Horse Show, I think, is the crown jewel in our, our of our country, really. The honor and elegance and history. You know, over the years, it's been at Madison Square Gardens and mm-hmm. then Meadowlands and then back to Madison Square Gardens. The Pier in New York, two years in Wellington, three years in Syracuse, and then, of course, the last, I think it's about nine years, settling at the Kentucky Horse Park and really... All those places, it seems like the honor and prestige of the history of the show, because of the leadership and the management and all the great people behind it, have really kept that intact. And people just give it that wonderful belief and support with the history and the richness and just the devotion and honor. And the way the Alltech Arena, in my opinion, is absolutely custom made for Mm -hmm. the show. And it dresses up beautifully, you know, the way that the ring is laid out and we decorate the ring and our whole team puts puts on everything they do, the VIP areas and the, the vendors. And it, it's really holding the honor. It's a lot of work to make a show special for anybody trying to have an event like that. And I really have to say it's the rich history that's being carried through that people are holding on to that has people walking in with that special place for the show in their hearts. What was the reasoning for the National Horse Show to leave Madison Square Garden? And why why did it hop around for a bit before settling uh, um, at Kentucky? Well, mostly the cost. I mean, the Madison Square Gardens right now for a 10-day event is, you know, millions of dollars. Sure. Um, I mean, it's just grown, grown into, you know, with all the professional sports teams looking for professional sports venues like that, who take up, you know, blocks and blocks of time. For someone to come in with a nine-day event and need a professional sports arena, you pay through the nose because, you know, it's, a, it's like this one-hit wonder. So mostly it's the cost and the feasibility in addition to the how we can take care of the animals. I mean, I really don't think the industry would take kindly to, you know, the horses in the streets or parking lots or garages or, you know, all those things that we've had to do to simply be in a location for the sake of the location, is it the best for the horses? So a place like the Kentucky Horse Park, people are so aware of horse care, which is so wonderful. And it's 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 the perfect fit. The horses are comfortable. The Alltech Arena is just beautiful. Working with Alston Kerr and Lee Carter and the Kentucky Horse Park has been nothing but pleasurable. They were so helpful this year, this crazy year, getting through and working with Kentucky and and the rules and regulations. And it's, it's, it's just good for everybody, people and animal. Totally. Animals. As your role as president, what does your kind of day-to-day look like? And then what does it look like leading up to the show? Well, day-to-day, there's always something to work on, mm-hmm. whether it's bringing in 
a new a new concept. You know, we're already working on contracts with all the great people who help pull off the show. We're working on how to restructure the VIP area and the ring layout and get new graphics in so it looks fresh. What's it going to look like? Is it going to be COVID restrictions still with spectators? You know, all these kinds of things are reeling constantly. So any given morning, it's one of many different things. Committee reviews are the right people in place to do the right thing, working with the executive committee. My executive committee is just so key. I really involve them in all major decisions. Working with management, our executive director, should the prize list be in print or go online? You know, there's always something. It's, you know, for a a 10-day event, it's really a part-time job all year long. Mm -hmm. I would say a full-time job the last two to three months. And then right before the show, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. I mean, so when you're, when you're finishing up the show at the end of the year, are you uh, pretty much starting, you're starting to think of next year already? We're, when the show starts, for, for me in my position, when the show starts, it is what it is. It's going mm-hmm. to be what it's going to be. Yes. And management and managers and the top management and the executive committee throughout the entire show will be talking about what to do differently the next year. Totally. What would you say is the most challenging part of your roles within the industry? And what would you say is the most rewarding? The most, I'm going to start with rewarding. The most rewarding part of the industry is seeing horses in good footing, in beautiful rings, Hmm, well cared for, having comfortable stalls and facilities, good warm-up areas, in relaxed atmospheres, atmospheres that they can let down when they're done competing. After the horses, the people, we want the people, I want the people happy. I want them enjoying it. This is an expensive sport. You want to see people having fun, doing well, or laughing if they don't do so well. And being, again, like the horses, being comfortable, being happy, having a great experience, the appropriate food choices and accommodations, and being in a city that can offer nice hotels and a variety of living situations, temporary living situations, everybody happy and comfortable, the animals and the exhibitors, I would say are the most rewarding to see. The most challenging is delivering that. At the Kentucky Horse Park, at times we've had, you know, the lights, the lights need, we need uh, supplemental lighting at the last minute. Um, So many banners didn't make it through the storage for the year. I would say, you know, that drum roll that you're ready for, for the show to just start, it's all those surprises that happen on location that can be challenging to deal with that leave you scrambling. I think anybody who's involved with the horse show would say that. But yet again, the great part is you've got all your people that you're working with to work together to get a solution. So I would say, I would say those, those last minute surprises are the most challenging. Weather can be, you know, with an outdoor show and warming up. Again, the all tech insulates that so well but you like this year we had we had a couple of tented warm-up areas right for convenience 
What is this year looking like after we've experienced 2020 and all the changes and potential headaches that you probably went through to make these shows run with everything going on? What what does 2021 look like going forward? Well, we're all excited. The National Horse Show team and family is really excited. We are equitation championships, the Hamill, the Taylor Harris, and the McClay, of course. Our three big equitation championships are growing so rapidly. We nice. work really hard to keep up with that. And so to I would say to the that's our biggest challenge. You know, do we add a day? Hmm. Do we want to add, you know, it's come up, do we want to add higher end classes, signature classes, special classes for those fence heights and that group to give them what they want. Hmm. Um, we're trying to get a feel you know, again, show sensitivity to being inclusive giving people what they want. What is the industry calling for? It's always a, um, it's always a work in progress, really. But the world, the industry seems to be calling for strong three foot and three three. Good competition. We've got the equitation championships. So this year we're thinking, do we add more to that? Do we take another day, like I said, and add sign- more signature classes, fun, fun, yeah, high money classes, things like that. Love it. What would you say is an area of the equestrian industry that you are particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian world either doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? You know, Bethany, again, like I was just saying, I really think the need for to include everybody mm-hmm. as much as possible. I mean, the National Horse Show is a qualifying event. So yes, you want it. You have to keep that qualifying process intact, but there's other ways to involve others. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're working with Bob Cashione and the college groups, all the college groups, we're welcoming them into the Taylor Harris Adult Equitation Championship. We'll, we're opening ourselves up to their qualifying system and giving them places, guaranteeing them places for their exhibitors, their top kids in the championship, and just listen to everybody and communicate and, and, you know, transparent, inclusive efforts and just be real sensitive to the industry guiding us and listening to that, listening to that. And people, we all tend to be rigid in our roles and to just keep taking a breath and listening to the other person who's got a different role, but taking the time to learn from them and work together for a common goal. Yeah, I think that's a really good point and and definitely something in the industry that we need to I, f- I feel like people are are becoming more and more willing to listen to all areas and to accept, you know, feedback especially when it comes to the different all the different levels and areas of the industry and finding ways to be as inclusive as possible. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. You know? Every different division is a whole nother world. You yeah, know, that's true. Each group is another world. And just to be open and show sensitivity to all of them and listen, you know, mm-hmm. stay open-minded as, a, as an event person and be sensitive to their desires and what's, what's going to work and what's going to pay the bills, you know, what's going to work, yeah. keep people happy and safe. And also you're running a business at the same time. Right, right, exactly. It's definitely finding that balance for sure. For for someone that is listening or a potential exhibitor or spectator, and if they do have feedback or a question, what's the best way to get a hold of you or to get to get a hold of the show to provide that question or feedback? 
Well, through our website, the nhs.org, it's a great website. You can, anybody can learn a lot what we offer and we love hearing suggestions and we always want to hear people's thoughts. They can email the horse show directly and put it to my attention. Amazing. Awesome. Well, Jen, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. I love what you are doing in the industry and I wish you all the best. Thank you, Bethany. I wish you guys the best too. You're doing great things also. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.